I want to put my hand on my heart when I say all of this and say, I'm not pretending that I'm a master of any of these things. I am learning in this process as well. The last five or six years when I wrote this book and I published it, I've been observing what's been going on out there. These are learning experiences for me as well. So I'm sharing what I'm learning and what I'm aspiring to, to share it with you so that we can all aspire to all of that together as well. What would the identity or the mindset of a billion dollar Muslim look like? That's what we're aiming for here with this multi-part series. But I first need to preface this with something, and that is two really important things. First of all, I am not at all a billionaire. I'm not even close. I'm not a billion dollar Muslim, despite the fact that I wrote the book, because there's many reasons for that. But basically, anything that I'm about to say today is really just hypothetical. It's what I would envision a billion dollar Muslim mindset or a billion dollar Muslim identity would look like. And therefore, this is based on my observations or my thoughts and ideas. So you should take anything that I say with a pinch of salt. But this is my observation after having spoken to many entrepreneurs and having observed what's been going on in the world and what's happened in the past. The second thing is, and this is quite ironic, unfortunately, at the time of making this video, the dollar is actually in steep decline. In a very short space of time, relatively speaking, on the timeline of history, the dollar is about to become defunct. It is about to become useless. So actually being somebody that's a billionaire in dollars is not gonna really mean that much anymore, which is pretty ironic, unfortunately. But basically, I'm only using the term billion dollar Muslim really to denote the idea of somebody that's very wealthy as a Muslim entrepreneur, somebody that wants to do something very meaningful in society, somebody that wants to do something really big and has billion dollar kind of ideas. So the key question in all of this is, who do I have to be in order to become the person that I want to be? Like, what does my identity have to be right now? It's a be, do, have kind of mindset as opposed to the have mindset. Like, once I have a billion dollars, then I'm going to do these things rather than that way. What is the identity that I can foster right now or I can adopt right now that would get me to that point, right? It's like, be that thing that you want to become right now. So there are a number of things that need to be addressed, but just looking at the first part in this series, what are the first set of things that we can be looking at in terms of the identity of the billion dollar Muslim, what would those things look like? Before we continue on this video, I just want to invite you to my Discord community. Look, the world has changed and it is changing still. And on my Discord, which is a simple mobile app that you can use, you can stay in touch with other like-minded people like me who are staying informed of the things that are happening around the world that are going to affect our daily lives very, very soon. So come and join me on my Discord community and let's grow together and let's navigate this changing world order together. So first and foremost, obviously, would be the growth mindset. That would have to be driven by the fact that Allah is capable of all things. So the difference between a Muslim and a non-Muslim entrepreneur is our recognition of Allah and that he's all-powerful, he's all-knowledgeable, he's all-wise, he's capable of all things. And he just has to say, be, and it happens. So when we're thinking in that way, we don't have to think from a lack of resource. If we internalize that all things are possible beyond our imagination, beyond our own capability, beyond our own limitations, then anything is possible. That's the first thing that we have to internalize. Rather than looking at what is possible with what we have or what is possible with what our limited mind thinks is possible in the world that we see today, you have to be able to transcend all of that. And the only way that you can transcend that really is to 
look at everything with the way that we think that Allah might look at everything, right? So you could say like with the eyes of Allah. But I don't mean that in a shirky kind of way. I just mean like if we could imagine the best opinion of Allah, the most powerful opinion of Allah, how would he look at something? How would he look at the world? And for him, anything is possible. For him, everything is easy. You know, he's created the universe. He's created the earth. He's created everything. So that's how we've got to look at everything. There's no limitation. There's no lack. Then the next one I would say would be the visionary. So this bullet list has actually been given to me by an existing Muslim entrepreneur. He wanted me to elaborate on each of these points. So I'm actually going through this list that's actually been given to me about questions that have been asked about what should be incorporated on these things if we were to have a billion dollar Muslim mindset. Would have to be capable of looking at least a decade ahead, if not two decades ahead. Right, they'd have to understand what's going on macroeconomically around the world. They'd have to understand what's happening at a state level, at a nation level. You can't be somebody that's just looking at what's going on with technology or what's going on in your local vicinity. You can't be somebody that's looking at, okay, what is the next trend with a particular piece of technology for the next couple of years or the next two to three years? Or what is the trend in a particular industry or a particular niche without incorporating what's going on geopolitically? without incorporating what are the trends that are taking place globally, what are the cultural shifts that are happening right now, and what is that going to lead to in the next 10 years. It has to be somebody that's capable of extrapolating. And you have to be able to extrapolate 10 years into the future, minimum, right? Realistically, probably 20 to 25 years in the future. And in order to do that, to be able to look forward, you actually have to look backwards first, right? You've got to be able to analyze patterns of what's been happening over the decades, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 1920s, 1930s, 1940s. What were the shifts that were taking place then and what led to those shifts? What led to those changes and what country or nation state was dominant? What country or nation state was not dominant? And how did those shifts in power take place? What were the contributing factors? And a lot of that is not going to come down to technology, right? We have this kind of mindset that technology actually drives shifts. It doesn't. What actually drives shifts in the world is actually political changes that then lead to macroeconomic changes. You have to really, really zoom out and look at the world as a whole and look at how everything's interconnecting, how are all these pieces coming together and how are all these countries, nation states, how they're all interacting with each other, what's causing movement of people, what's attracting, you know, what's causing migration from one area to another, what's creating movements from one trend to another, from one piece of technology to another. You have to be able to look at what's causing all of this. From there, you can then form a vision about what needs to happen in the future or what is possible in the future or where do I want to go in terms of what's actually happening. Now, personally, I think this is the most important one that doesn't get enough importance in this day and age. And that is a billion dollar Muslim would inherently have to be ethical and honest in business. Here's the most important thing on this, okay? First of all, most people that are billionaires today, unfortunately, are not billionaires for ethical reasons, right? In one form or another, they have shortchanged the rest of society. So they've made themselves richer by making everybody else poorer. If you drill hard enough into this, you look deep enough into this, you will find that they have monopolized their particular sector. They've bullied or just completely cornered the competition in unethical ways. And they have brought in all that business to themselves 
They've destroyed all of the small businesses in rising to the top and they've shortchanged the average consumer, right? The average layman, they've shortchanged all of them. Billionaires that exist today, they've basically extracted wealth from the economy and made everybody else poor around them. They've basically created black holes around them, right? You look into this deep enough, you will see plenty of evidence pointing to this fact. Even the most revered billionaire out there, the person that seems the most noble, the one that has the most integrity, unfortunately, you look hard enough, you will find they've operated with a lack of ethics and a lack of honesty in business. As a wealthy Muslim entrepreneur, we cannot do this. We can't be selling things to the consumer knowing full well it's not good for them. Knowing full well that it's actually causing them some destruction further down the line. And knowing full well that we've basically just hoodwinked them or with this very, very selfish attitude that has actually become very present amongst Muslim entrepreneurs, I'm sorry to say, we actually have a very capitalistic attitude. It's all about number one. It's all about me. It's as long as I become wealthy, I don't care what happens to everybody else. The billion dollar Muslim cannot operate like this. Absolutely cannot operate like this at all. That's just not possible. It just cannot be done. The billion dollar Muslim has to operate in a win-win kind of way that if I win, that if I do well in business, my customer, my consumer, they also win at the same time. And that society as a whole grows with me. That the more wealth that I create for myself, the more wealth it creates for others around me at the same time. So it's not like a black hole. It's more of a win-win. That's how a billion dollar Muslim would have to operate. Totally not a selfish capitalistic attitude at all. Okay, the next one is resilience in the face of challenges. The resilience has to come from our tawakkal in Allah, right? Our trust in Him. Anything goes wrong, you lose money, you lose staff, you lose face, you lose reputation. Any of these things, we have to know that this is the will of Allah, that He's chosen this for us, right? And that there is hikmah in it, there's wisdom in it. Either He's teaching us something, or he is saving us from something. Perhaps he is punishing us for something. We should still present gratitude for that atonement, that he's doing it in this life and not in the next life. But that's where we differ from the non-Muslim because, and not to offend anybody, a non-Muslim is doing something to feed their own self. It's, it's for themselves. We are doing everything for the sake of Allah to earn his reward. So we have to understand the wisdom in everything. So every challenge presents an opportunity. Every challenge presents wisdom. Every challenge is a chance for us to grow. So in the face of even the most maddening, deepening crisis, we have to be able to see the beauty in that. We have to be able to see the good in it. We have to be able to see the khair in it. We have to be able to see the wisdom in it. And we have to be not disheartened by that. There's a phrase that my sheikh has told me, the Muslim, the mu'min does not despair. In the face of anything, we just do not despair. There's goodness in everything. So that's one thing that the wakil has to be absolutely solid. Everything is good. Even when it's bad, it is still good. I want to put my hand on my heart when I say all of this and say, I'm not pretending that I'm a master of any of these things. I am learning in this process as well. The last five or six years when I wrote this book and I published it, I've been observing what's been going on out there. These are learning experiences for me as well. So I'm sharing what I'm learning and what I'm aspiring to, to share it with you so that we can all aspire to all of that together as well. So that's three things for this first part in the series. As I said, this is a multi-part series and there'll be more to come. These are the first three things that I want to talk about when it comes to the billion dollar Muslim identity and mindset. So I hope you've enjoyed that so far and look out for the rest in the series.